0: Welcome to the Proactive Health Podcast with Don Combs. Real-life talk about how to go from being sick, dependent, and reactive to getting back into the driver's seat, trusting the design of our bodies, developing our intuition, and claiming vibrant, proactive daily health for ourselves and our families. I'm always fascinated by people's stories. I think perhaps... Uh, That may be why I got into studying where culture and plants come together. It's really about the stories, Um, looking at how medicine is being passed down from one generation to another. It goes back to the stories. When I meet people who are living their lives these days, sort of parallel to mainstream society, I always think, what was that moment? Uh, I call them breakaway moments. What was that moment where something jolted them so hard that they went down the path of doing research into a different way of life? Uh, the, the life that a lot of us are leading that are that's outside of the ease and convenience of what we call modern society, it is arguably a harder life. It takes more time. You don't have all the time to sit around and watch TV or um, leisure time has been glorified for a really long time. You don't have time to sit and play video games or um, just while away the hours and not know what to do with yourself. You're never bored, I guess, is probably the, the way to say that. So living this parallel life It involves being much more exposed to nature, uh, creation, being much more involved with making your own food and uh, reading labels and and uh, a lot more time and energy using your brain thinking through things instead of trusting somebody else to do it for you. So it isn't an easy life. And it makes me wonder, what was that moment that somebody decided, hey, I'm going to work harder every day. I'm going to do things for myself. I'm going to take control. Uh, And perhaps, perhaps I'm so fascinated with those moments for other people because I know exactly when it was for me. I know what that moment is. So we had been we had been working hard on uh, my infertility diagnosis for three years. Three years of kind of dipping our toes in the water, I thought the whole time that I was a pretty natural-minded person. We were living in a, a metropolitan area. And we were enjoying all the conveniences that I actually didn't get to enjoy when I was younger living in the country. So I had moved into the city and started to live a city life. But I still knew the skills that my parents had taught me. I still believed that I was pretty natural. And when I was initially told three months into trying to conceive that I was infertile, I I had two mindsets. One was that technology here might be able to help me. And the other was, I am still interested in more natural ways. It it was just in me. Um, But I was still very much living in that mainstream world. I talk a lot about this sort of cultural V that has happened right now where where people are going along in, in the systems that are caring for them kind of cradle to grave at this point. And I was still very much in there, even though I thought I was natural. It's, it's a lot like I see people today, they're, they're living the fast food lifestyle. uh, And I mean that in all the sense of the word, not just what they're eating, but just sort of that fast paced, everything is ready and prepared for me lifestyle and then they use elderberry syrup. And so it's a it's it's an intrusion of another person's culture into the mainstream culture but you're not living that culture. So I was living this mainstream life and we got the we got the diagnosis of infertility and I began to go down that road. We did clomid and when that didn't work, we upped the dosage of Clomid, and we upped the dosage. And when that didn't work, uh, there was primerin, which made me crazy. And uh, then there were the shots. Uh, we did so much of this. And all along, I was still, I was studying with Rosemary Gladstar throughout this. So I thought, I thought I was living the natural life and just partaking Of some of the things in the mainstream culture. When we found ourselves sitting across the desk from the doctor that told me that I was broken, um, you would think that that would be another moment for me, but it it wasn't. I was still very much in it. The, The next step would have been much more invasive technologies. And that wasn't, it wasn't comfortable for us. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a change. There wasn't a wake up call for me. And so I spent some time mourning, um, believing that I would never have a child. That's what they had told me. It wasn't possible. There was no way that I was ever going to be able to conceive on my own without technology. And I went home and I mourned that and I thought about it. And then one day I realized that uh, I hadn't been listening to me all at the same time as the doctors hadn't been listening to me. And I, I didn't think in my gut that what they were saying was wrong with me was what was wrong with me. But I was still too trapped in that system that I went along with it. I continued to believe that I couldn't possibly know my own body. I couldn't possibly know anything and that they were the experts and that they knew best. Um, they, I don't want to depict in this story that they is always a medical authority. It's just one of the authorities that we are living in the mainstream culture that, that we believe we are subservient to, um, being subservient to FDA or um, any other governmental entity that tells us what's safe and what's appropriate to eat or where to go or what to do is something that a lot of people just kind of live, uh, they've accepted as a norm. And I definitely was there. But when I realized that I did know something, again, I was still living in that space. Uh, I I woke up enough to realize that I wasn't listening to my intuition and that I did know something. Um, I pulled out all of my charts that I had been taking on, on my body and re-diagnosed myself differently than what had been uh, used all along to treat me medically. And within a month after that, I was pregnant. And that was wonderful after a really long wait. And after being told that it wasn't possible, it was a really big deal to be pregnant on our own. Uh, Unfortunately, that first pregnancy, when we went in for the first ultrasound at eight weeks, it uh, was revealed that they couldn't find a heartbeat. And uh, boy, that is, I feel for everybody who, who experiences that it is so common. It's so common for women to lose, uh, pregnancies even earlier than that, even earlier than they even realize they're pregnant. It happens all the time. It happens whether we're imbalanced or balanced. Uh, a lot of times it happens because one thing in a billion trillion tiny miracle things that are happening to knit that baby together doesn't go right. And it's it's a mercy for it to not repeat and go any further. But sometimes it's an imbalance. And I do suspect that that first pregnancy for me was more of an imbalance in my body. I wasn't strong enough or balanced enough quite yet to carry a baby. But they suggested they give you hope that, you know, maybe you'll go home. Maybe it's a mistake. Maybe we'll, maybe we can see a heartbeat later on, or it's, it's the wrong time. And uh, I think most times they know that it's not going to change, So I went home knowing that I was likely going to miscarry and that's what we, we opted to wait it out. And, um, the night that I did miscarry, it was at home. I woke up and I was having, I was having contractions and, uh, I tell this story in, in my book, conceiving healthy babies. And I think that it's probably why a lot of women really love my husband, Uh, He was really great and really supportive. I climbed into the bathtub and rode out my miscarriage. And uh, after several hours of contractions, I did pass a, a large portion of the pregnancy. And I continued to have the intense contractions. So I knew that the placenta had broken apart, that pieces of it had broken apart, And that uh, I would continue, my body would continue to work to expel that. And indeed, after I would say maybe an hour or so, I I continued to have contractions and the rest of the pregnancy was uh, expelled. And then everything calmed down and um, my body stilled and there was peace and I went to sleep and I rested And the next morning we woke up and I called the doctor because I was, I needed to report in to let them know, um, such was the way that I used to do things. I reported in that I had in fact miscarried and that, you know, I, I, in my mind, I was just reporting in and, uh, you know, Hey, I'll catch you next time, uh, as we try this again. And they were quite alarmed. And uh, quite alarmed that I had stayed at home and quite alarmed that I wasn't immediately booking some time to come in and see them. And they insisted that I come in and uh, have a an ultrasound done to make sure that everything had cleared. And I knew it had, uh, because you have contractions until, and I wasn't having contractions. So I didn't see the need in it. But I went along I went along with it and uh when I I went in I remember going into that office I remember this gentleman that is doing the ultrasound and uh ladies that you've if you've been through this it is an you know it's it's an invasive very uh very interpersonal experience it is an internal wand ultrasound instead of passing just over passing over the belly it is actually a wand that goes inside to find out what's going on in the uterus and so here's this man who I've never met before and he is a specialist in in the female body and he is checking to see how my miscarriage has gone and he is right there as close as you can get to me and um he looks at the screen and he says, Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, it looks like it's completely clear. It looks like you've never been pregnant before. And I thought in my head, wow, that is uh, really out of touch and completely insensitive. I didn't say anything, but I, I, I thought, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm pretty stable. I'm pretty okay about this miscarriage. Uh, It It was sad, uh, but I was prepared for it. And in the sadness, it was also really empowering to watch my body roll with these contractions and to watch it protecting me and to be doing what it was designed to do without intervention. It was so, it was a relationship building between me and my body that night because I trusted that the design of my body was perfect and that I would be I would be okay. Um, I didn't fear and I say that not to discount that sometimes things go wrong and not to say that someone who had I recognized that there was a problem, uh, we would have gone to the hospital that night but there wasn't a problem and i sat back and i watched this miraculous thing yes it was a miscarriage but it was so awe inspiring to see what the female body is designed to do so i was pretty i was pretty stable emotionally by the time i was getting this ultrasound and his comment didn't affect me on that level. But I thought, wow, you know, somebody else who has worked so hard after three years with infertility, who was told they would never bear a child who just miscarried hours ago. And that's what you say. It is not understanding the situation. And had it stopped there, it probably, I I don't know where I would be today. I maybe I would have still be maybe I would have still been living inside the mainstream systems and accepting the the path that everybody is on right now living living in the lie but it didn't stop there he proceeded to tell me um I told him actually I told him that I knew that it would be clear. And I knew because I had had contractions until the main part of the pregnancy had passed and I continued to have contractions and then the rest of it passed. And he looked at me with such such pity and, and it was so patronizing. He looked at me and he said, Oh, sweetie, those weren't contractions. Those were cramps. I remember physically hearing in my head something crack, something broke. And, and I don't know how everybody else in the room didn't hear it. Maybe my husband did. I don't know. It, I, I heard it. I heard, I heard everything break in my head at that moment. And I remember thinking, I I sat there and I silently looked at him and I accepted what he had, well, I didn't accept it, but I, I seemed to accept what he said. I didn't argue, but I sat there and I looked at him and here was this person that has spent years and years and years of education, learning about the female body. And he is a specialist on birth and the process of birth. And here he is telling me that he doesn't know that it takes contractions to pass any pregnancy, uh, whether it's to full term or whether it is, uh, whether it's just maybe a couple of months along. I spoke to a doctor afterwards that gave me some information and she suggested it probably I, my body probably experienced, uh, a dilation to about three or four to pass that size of a pregnancy. So, so clearly not contractions on the level of birthing a baby, not that intense, but they were intense contractions. I experienced those contractions. I knew they were contractions. It is unmistakable what that feels like, what it requires to open the cervix enough for Uh, that level of a pregnancy to pass through and it broke, it broke my ability to, to stand and operate and live within the systems that I had accepted. I had accepted before that somebody who had a degree knew best. I had accepted it for so long throughout the past three years that I had, that I had, ignored my own gut feeling. I had ignored what I knew. And I hadn't woken up even when I got pregnant with this baby that was miscarried uh, against the diagnosis that I would never carry a baby. Uh, I still hadn't awakened to s- enough to step outside of these systems and to begin to realize that I need to trust myself. I need to trust my body first. Doctors are wonderful people to have on my healthcare team. I can trust them to give me input. But at the end of the day, they are people who have been to school and who have, depending on how long they've practiced, a, a certain type of experience that is to be respected and weighed. But we live in a world where we are told to accept that authority and to usurp it, to to usurp our own authority with it. And um, that is improper. It's not the way that we were designed to be. We, We need to think for ourselves. We need to be in control. We need to be in the driver's seat of our health, making our own decisions, doing our own research, and creating a healthcare team of people From all different methodologies and experience uh, and education, putting them together, weighing their opinion, respecting their opinions, and then making our own decisions. That moment that broke for me, I began from that moment to be outside of those systems. I no longer saw this world where there were experts that were running my life that were inviolable, that I I could just trust and not think that I could be asleep at the wheel and let them drive the car. Uh, it was a huge moment and I can't ever go back. I can never, ever go back to what I trusted and believed and gave up the power that I gave up to other people, other humans. I can never go back to that space because of that moment, that moment with that wonderful man. I'm sure he's a lovely person uh, and believes in what he had learned and what he knew, but uh, seeing that I knew more about how the human body, specifically the female body worked than he seemed to, uh, is is a symptom of how tunnel vision we've gotten in training our medical professionals. I'm sure he knew very, very, he, he knows way more about radiology than I ever will, but he had neglected to understand some of the basics. And that, that bit of lacking information is horrifying, horrifying, to realize that so many of us turn over all of our power to people that we believe to be all powerful and they just aren't, they aren't. It's unfair to put somebody in that position and it's unfair to ourselves to give up that kind of power and right to make those decisions. So I'm so curious uh, to, to, to ask many of my friends and uh, many other experts that I have in my life, what this moment is, because I know that a lot of them are walking in this alternate parallel culture that I'm walking in. It isn't easy, but it is so rewarding. And the the choices that I have made to do my own work, to do my own research, to make my own to grow my own, have tied me closer and closer to my creator, to source, and that has its own reward. The the continuance of believing and living lies, accepting other authorities other than God, and accepting that somebody outside your body knows more than what you know, is keeping people sick, and it's keeping people disconnected. From God and from themselves, and so it's time. It's time to uh, rattle the rattle the the gong and wake people up, and uh, shake shake the windows and and shake the shutters. We need to we need to wake up as a culture and return to some of this awareness of ourselves and awareness of us being in charge of ourselves. So I hope, that, uh, I hope that you join me again here. I'm gonna ask more people about these stories and we're gonna explore more of this. You don't arrive at proactive health. Proactive health isn't something that you have immediately. Once you have this moment, if you've had this moment yourself already, once you have this breakaway moment, then you start to build, you start to learn. There's so much that's been buried and kept from us, this cultural mother culture knowledge, as I say, um, that we have lost connection to. And you have to get reconnected to it. It's not lost yet yet and it's not to be meted out with a prescription pad it's it's for everybody to know it should have been taught to us when we were kids but we can't expect to reach you can't expect if you've just had this moment to reach the point that i'm at it's taken me years the proactive health notion it is not a destination it is a process and it takes time. You can't get there today. You can't get there all at once. You have to take small bites, and uh, you need a guide. You need a guide that will help you along the way to rediscover this connection to yourself, to source, to your community, to your family. And uh, it's, I tell you, it's so worth it. And no matter where you are on that path away from your breakaway moment to proactive health, proactive health is about, it's about stocking up. It's about gathering already knowing information when you're presented with something terrifying. It's about having the confidence and the assurance before you are confronted with a problem. And um, you can have some of that right away. You can have the assurance that you're going the right direction, but you just can't know everything all at once. So let me be your guide. I am so excited to share with my community, uh, my, my membership community, my newsletter community, how to start down this path, how to reclaim this knowledge, how to go from your breakaway moment, which is... Uh, earth shattering. It shakes you. It it can be frightening to go from that to the excitement of empowerment. So I will see you next time here on the Proactive Health Podcast. Hey, if you're not already following me on social media, look for me at Soda Farm Life. That's Soda P-H-A-R-M Life on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to head over to my website sodafarmlife.com You don't want to miss a thing. You don't want to miss out on my newsletter community. So sign up for that there.